This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles online, quickly grab them. Let's go to Isaiah 55. Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. We receive it with gladness in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. We are in a series, as you know. It has been going on for quite a while. It started during the beginning of the pandemic back last year. I think there were a lot of questions in that we didn't know answers to as far as a world, a nation, you know, what does this mean? How bad is it? How bad is it going to be? How long is it going to last? All those kind of uncertainties that we had. But at that time, the Lord said, I want you to go back and I want you to begin teaching on authority and I want you to teach on words and, and the power of words. And of course, I've taught on those things ever since I got into the ministry way back in the in the early days, I, I found a cassette tape a few days ago uh, that I was preaching downtown in the old police building in 93. So sometimes these old tapes won't even play anymore. You know, they're so old. But I put it in this because I have a cassette player. I have all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I started listening to it. I thought, well, my Lord, I am preaching the same thing I preached 27 years ago, 28 years ago. And, uh, but I thought, you know, I'm, I'm happy that I am because I've had a lot of stuff happen to me that could have changed me. See, that's why we have to be careful that we don't let life and things that happen to us change what the Word says. Now, I don't know when this sermon's going to come out. Be praying for me. It could be Sunday. It could be a month or a year. I'm this week just kind of pondering, looking at the situation of the world in general. And in case you haven't noticed, it is chaos, and uh, it is crazy, and it is bizarre. It's like we're living in a bizarro world uh, where things seem to be almost upside down, and, and it's that way around the world, and it has been for a while, so it's not anything new. And people, there's a stress and there's a pressure in the days we're living in to compromise what we believe to make it fit what we see. Are you hearing me? So to make it fit what we see out in society, there's a pressure to then take the Bible and try to make what we see in society fit in. But now, those of you that have been around me for a while know that I'm not buying it. In the words of Hall and Oates, I can't go for that. No, no can do. I don't know why we're bringing up songs tonight, but while I'm at it, you know, no, no can do, you know. So, uh, so this week I'm thinking about that, the pressure that the world will try to put on the church to change what it says. Here's the problem, and this is the sermon that I don't know when it's going to come, the sermon title. 
here's the problem that you're going to have trying to change me into fitting the world and what it stands for and making it fit into the Bible. Here's the problem with that, and here's the title of the sermon that may come forth in the future. The ink is dry. The ink is dry. That's going to be my sermon title. I don't get to change this. I have no right to change this. This ink is dry. It's not drying. It doesn't have a space for me to add anything to it. It is, it is written, meaning it is past tense. God has already decided what right and wrong is. God has already given us guidelines. So the next time somebody says to you, well, the Bible, you just excuse me, but the ink is dry. And I'd never heard that phrase before, but it came up in my spirit. Now, I say that tonight because when we got into this series on the authority and, and the uh, words, of course I'm not preaching anything new because the ink is dry. Amen. I don't have book number 67 to preach from. I have 66 books here. There are 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. There are 1,188 chapters. I think I said 11,000 one night, but I, I know how many are in there. There's 1,188 chapters in that Bible. And they've all, yeah, there have been other books that they've tried to say, well, this, the book of Peter and all this, but, but there's a reason why they didn't get into this canon of Scripture. Because the Holy Spirit, through men that God had anointed, found out that they just didn't fit and they did not connect with what God was really saying. And that, that's the reason those, those books were excluded. You've heard of those other books. They're excluded. This is the canon of Scripture. This is what we have, and the ink is dry. Can you shout amen? amen. So here in Isaiah 55, here we are again reading familiar Scripture. I'm going to read quickly to get us... I have to go through a couple things to get us into the new stuff tonight. Um, but let's get in there anyway. So again, in Isaiah 55, verse 8, God says again, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Now, if that is true, and it is, then I need to quit trying to make my way God's ways. And I need to just go ahead and do it God's way. Verse 9, For as the heaven are, heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. There, there, if you'll notice, there's a separation between the earth and the heavens here, meaning the skies. There's a separation, and it's clear. <laughs> I mean, the earth does not look like the sky, and the sky does not look like the earth. There's a separation there. God said, that's the way it is with me. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, okay, and it turns not thither, and it comes down for a reason, but it waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower, bread to the eater. So, in other words, the heavens are designed to cause what's on the earth to grow and blossom. God says that the way, that's the way my system works here. If you want to grow and blossom, if you just try to do it with what's on the earth, you're never going to do it. You're never going to get to a highway. But if you'll let what's in heaven come down and you'll put that into your life, you're, you're going to grow. Amen. Now, verse 11, so shall my word, now here we go, my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall not return unto me void. It shall not return unto me void. Now, 
God has always expected when he said something for it to happen, always. That's why in Genesis 1, when we know which is more in reality, the story of the recreation more than it is the story of creation, but God said, let there be light, or in the general, the real Hebrew, light be, light was. God expected that to happen. And that's how God set the planet in motion. But when he put Adam and Eve on this earth, he intended for his representative, his man, his woman, to then be his literal mouthpiece and begin to say what he told them to say. And, of course, he expected the same thing, that it would not return void. Now, so we have to understand then again what this is that, that puts us in the place of saying God's word and it should not return void. We literally need to expect things to happen. Now, but it shall accomplish. Everyone say accomplish. I like that word in the, in the King James Version. But it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper. I, I circled those two things. Number one, it shall accomplish. And number two, it shall prosper in the thing that it is sent to. So I fully understand that the, the super, everyone say superpower. We have a superpower. And it is the superpower of words. And when we take God's word, put it in our mouth and we say it, it shall come to pass. It shall accomplish. It shall prosper in the thing that it is sent to. And we need to operate in our lives as if we fully, completely expect it to do just that. Now, this is elementary stuff. I know that. Go to Deuteronomy 30. I know we've read these scriptures, but I just want to read them again tonight to get them back into your spirit. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I always, when I was a little kid, I'd watch the Pie Pie cartoons. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about the chicken. When I said Pie Pie, some of y'all are immediately thinking about chicken. But I'm talking about the cartoon. And Pie Pie was no match for Brutus at all. Was he? When Brutus would come along, and no offense, no offense to anybody, so please don't take it personal. I never know. I never knew what they saw in olive oil. Just me. This is just me. I don't know why all this fight was going on for olive oil, but not my type. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she just wasn't my type. I don't know, man. But anyway. But man, when Papa would eat that spinach. Lord have mercy. He cleared the house. Can, can you shout amen? amen. Now, because this superpower came on him, and I'm telling you, the authority that we have, if we started operating in it the way that we really could and should and use the word of God with that authority, we would be amazed at how we could clear the landscape of a lot of the clutter in our lives. And that's why we're hanging in on this, this series. That it's the series that wouldn't quit, you know. But that's okay. Amen. Now here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 11, for this commandment which I command you this day, it, it is not hidden from you, neither is it far off. And he tells you what it is in verse 10, you know, to keep the Lord's commandments, so on and so forth. Verse 12, he says it's, it's not far from you. So he's talking about 
It's, when something's not far from you, he's also saying that this is not really that difficult. In other words, you're not going to have to work really hard to find, if something's not far from you, you don't have to work hard to find it. Right? Because it's not far from you. It is not in heaven. Everyone say any longer. Because that, that is what's implied here. It's not in heaven, and I'm just saying that you should say, who will go up for us to heaven? Who's going to bring it unto us that we can hear it and do it? I mean, but remember, he already said it's not far from you. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who's going to go over the sea and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? So, I mean, where are we going to get all this from? How, How are we going to get this? Okay, he tells us in verse 14. But the word is very, very near you. Not only is it not far from you, it's actually very near to you. Where is it at? In your mouth and in your heart. Right? That you may do it. So the word of God is in us already. It's no longer in heaven when God put everything in motion and he spoke from heaven and it all happened. He then made Adam and Eve in his image and gave them the authority to use just like he did. Can you shout amen? Now the next verse says that you may do, that you get to choose between evil and good. You can, you can, this thing is so powerful, you can either have evil or good. And it's all going to come from your mouth. Can you shout amen? Now, I'm going to read Jeremiah 15 again from the Message Bible. Stay with me as I work through some of these scriptures that we've looked at because as we do, we'll get into some new things before we finish tonight. Everybody online, stay where you are. Because if you have a superpower and you know how to operate in it, the devil is in trouble. Now, here we are in Jeremiah 15, 19 through 21. I'm reading from the Message Bible. I've read this to you, I realize, a couple of times already. And remember, Jeremiah's having a struggle here. He's saying some things and he's trying to figure out how they're going to get out of captivity. How, what's going to, I mean, what's going on? We're all, you know, and, but notice what God says here in verse 19 from the Message Bible. This is how God answered Jeremiah. He says me, take, he says, take back those words. Now, one thing I want to say to you, one good way to get your life fixed is to take back some words. You need to have a session sometime where you walk around and you just start saying to God, I take back every single word I've ever said. When I called myself a loser, a failure, when I said I'd never make it, I'd never get anywhere, Every time I've ever said, I'm, I'll be sick the rest of my life. I'm not going to live out my days. I'm nothing but a mess. I've made a wreck of my life. I'm never going to. You need to have a day where you take some of those words back. Where you just walk around and say, God, today, I'm going to record this. As it says in Deuteronomy 30, I want heaven and earth to record this day that I'm taking back some words. Never again am I going to say that I'm a loser, I'm weak, I'm sick and I'm 
going to die and, and I'm not going to make it and my kids aren't going to make it and I, you know, everything I touch breaks and I never have enough money and I'll never have enough to do anything. I, today's the day we're getting this stuff off the records. Can you shout amen? You almost need to start there before you start doing the other stuff because if you don't, you still got a lot of negative words out there in the field and they're still working against you. I mean, if you've got a field over here that you've planted and it's nothing but poison ivy and you planted rows and rows and rows of poison ivy and finally you, oh man, I don't need to do that anymore. I need to start planting some corn and wheat and tomatoes. Okay, that's fine. But you better get over there and, and, and get that mess out of there too. I think this is a part of this that we've missed. We've talked so much on what you need to be saying is we haven't dealt with what we've already said and said we need to get that under the blood and get that stuff repented over and get that stuff rooted out so that crop never comes up. Because what good is it if you're over here getting blessed over here but you're still dealing with fires over here every day? All right. So God said to Jeremiah, take back those words. Listen to this, and I'll take you back. This is why this is really good, the message. He said, then you'll stand tall before me. Now, here you go. He says, use words truly and well. So number one, we need to remember words change things. Words change things. You say, well, I'm going to change it. A lot of people say this. I'm going to change this in my life. Okay, that, I'm not going to eat that anymore. Or I'm not going to, you know, sit on the couch and play video games 24 hours a day. <laughs> nothing wrong with recreation. Nothing wrong with fun. God's not against you having hobbies. But, you know, at some point in life, you know, <laughs> you need to get up off of the couch. That couch is only supposed to be a resting place, not a stopping place. GP, are you with me? All right. So he says here, use words truly and well. I really like that. Words change things. Then he says, don't stoop to cheap whining. Then, but only then, you'll speak for me. Now listen to this. Then he says, let your words change them. Don't change your words to suit them. In other words, these people, these critics, you, use your words. He said, you know, you've got, you've got a power here to use. And he's obviously telling Jeremiah, you're not using your words. You're complaining about the situation. You're telling me how bad everything is. You're complaining about, you're in captivity. You're complaining, complaining, complaining. Well, why don't you just start using your words here to change this? This is a very elementary part of this, as we all know, but it's, it's, it still needs to be said again. We need qu to quit saying what we see and start saying what we want. Now, you're going to have enough people on the outside telling you what's going on in your life. Oh, girl, you are a mess. You have made a mess. This is all bad here. It is, I, this, I tell you what, this ain't going to work. You have enough people say, you don't need to chime in and lead the band. Amen. 
So again, what does he say? Don't change your words to suit them. Now, it feels good when you, get, when you get an agreement. You know it feels good to get an agreement with people even when they're wrong just because you're all together. But sometimes you've got to be a defector. Then he says, I'll turn you into a steel wall, a thick steel wall, impregnable. Now, I don't, I, that word impregnable is, is an interesting one. I mean, uh, if you just use it in the sense of a natural, you know, uh, I mean, we know impregnable means you can't penetrate it, but, but also impregnable, if you use it just from the terms of, of pregnancy, he says, you know, I, I, if you'll start using your words right, you'll quit getting impregnated with the world's seed and the world's, you won't, you'll quit delivering their babies. They can have all the doubt babies they want. They can have all the sickness babies they want. They can have all the poverty babies they want. But I'm not going to, uh-uh. No, no, around here, we deliver healthy. We deliver prosperity. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Third John 2. Amen. I thought we'd get way into this tonight, but... We just kind of learning as we go. So number one, words change things. Number two, words build a strong defense. That's what he said because he says you're impregnable. See, you can, if you're, if you're under attack, if you get your words right, it can build a wall. That, like he said, a steel wall where they can't even put a dent in you. Amen? Let's read a little bit more. They'll attack you so it's not that you won't get attacked. In this world, you shall have tribulation. They'll attack you, but won't put a dent in you because I'm at your side defending and delivering. So, number three, you know what happens when somebody tries to attack you and they try and they try and they try and they try, but you don't buy in? You know what eventually happens to number three? They get frustrated. So when you get your words right, you frustrate your enemies because you're not buying. You're not giving. You're not, you're not going along with the program. Amen. And then he says, I'll deliver you from the grip of the wicked. I'll get you out of the clutch of the ruthless. So the fourth thing we can say in this one, we can see in this one little passage is, Words deliver you. Your words can deliver you out of a situation. Can you shout amen? amen? Now, Psalms 119, verse 140 from the New Living Translation. This is a new verse tonight. Psalms 119, verse 140 from the New Living Translation. He says, your promises have been thoroughly tested that is why I love them so much. So now we're getting back to where we're talking again about the promises, which is the word of God. And the psalmist says, your promises have been thoroughly tested. In other words, we don't even have to wonder, will this work or will this not work? They've been tested. You know, before supposedly a product hits the market for we, the consumers, to buy, before it can make you know, the shelves, supposedly, it goes through tests. 
supposedly. That's the biggest word. And supposedly it is proven that it will work because it's been tested. Well, we already know in the world you can't trust that all the time. But you can trust this Bible. And the New Living Translation, I love the way it says it. It says, your word has been thoroughly tested. It's been tested by people in the middle of a fiery furnace. It's been tested by people that were in a den of lions. It's been tested by people that were being pursued by the most fierce army on the planet and had nowhere to go. It's been tested by warriors out on the battlefield that needed a little more sunlight just to finish off the battle. This thing's been thoroughly tested. This works. Can you shout amen? Now, in 1 Kings 6, 12, we said this about the promises, that they are transgenerational. Everybody loves that word today. But I want to give you a different perspective of it. The promises of God are transgenerational, meaning they keep going. With every generation that comes along, they get transferred to the next. Even if this generation doesn't do it, the next generation, if they work and act on it, it'll work for them. It doesn't matter that the last generation didn't even do it. Amen? No one in your family might have ever operated and really walked in the levels of faith that we're talking about in here, but that doesn't mean you can't. I can't name a single person in my family lineage, at least that I'm aware of, that ever operated in the kind of faith that I'm talking to you tonight about. But I tell you this much, with the help of God, I'm, I, I am doing it and I'm going to. Because that promise got transferred down to my generation too. Because a lot of times if you don't watch it, you will look at your history and you'll just say, well, you know, we Smiths, we're all like that. You know, we Johnsons, I mean, it's just, it's just a Johnson thing. We Browns, I mean, it's all, it's the way we all, are. The jo- we Joneses, it always works like this. Well, you got to quit putting the word we in there. That last name is, is, means nothing if you all grab hold of what I'm preaching to you tonight. Can you shout amen? 1 Kings 6, 12, I read this to you before. Amplified Classic, 1 Kings 6, 12, Amplified Classic. Concerning this house which you are building, if you'll walk in my statutes, execute my precepts, keep all my commandments to walk in them, then I will fulfill to you my promises which I made to David your father. So here is God showing us how he keeps on. He says, I I made this promise to your father, but believe it or not, it's it's yours too. All you got to do is just grab it. Deuteronomy 7 and 9 says the covenant, which by the way, the covenant means the promises. Part of the covenant are the promises. It says they're to a thousand generations. Now, we could go back to the book of Deuteronomy and most people would say that's around 4,000, 4,500 years ago. But I can tell you this much, there haven't been a thousand generations in 4,500 years. Are you hearing me? You do the math. The generation is considered to be, most people consider it 40 years. That's why it took 40 years for the children of Israel to die out. You know, so, you know, we, you, 4,500 years, do the math. If his promises are to a thousand generations, we're not even close to a thousand generations since the day he said that. So that is for us today. Can you shout amen? 
All right. Um, let's see what else we want to get into real fast here. All right, we'll read Isaiah. I'll skip down and read Isaiah 62, verse 6. I read this to you last time. Then we're going to get into some more new scriptures. Isaiah 62, 6 from the Amplified Classic says, I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants. How many of you are servants? You who are his servants, and by your prayers, and I'm going to get into that in a minute, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silence. Excuse me. (coughs) Excuse me a minute. All right, now, so I want you to notice that he says that we're to keep the promises of God alive. He said, don't keep silent about them. And the way you keep them out there is in your prayers. Now, this is what I've been teaching the last two or three weeks is, even though we know what the Bible promises, it is not automatic. I don't know how many times we have to, uh, uh, it's amazing that we still, a lot of people still don't get the fact that although God's a healer, you could die sick and be a Christian. Although God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, you can die living under a bridge because you don't have any money. Are you hearing me? So understand that even though God has already said and promised you that he, you know, he'd make you wealthy, he'd keep you healthy, you'd live long on the earth and, and so on and so forth, he promised all that, but it is not automatic. And if you don't know the promise, first of all, because my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, that's why you need a preacher. And you say, well, I can read it for myself. But you know what? There, there's Faith comes when you hear it, not just when you read it on the paper. You need someone to preach it to you. I still listen to a lot of preaching because I need faith. I come out here and preach to you, but you better believe I've... Basically, I preached to myself or preached to you anyway, but I've been preached to. So these promises, then, the thing tonight I want to make sure we're clear on is the promises need to be prayed. Our prayer life does not just need to be a bunch of complaining. Oh, God, please, you know, you know, this is going wrong in my life and this happened today and, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I mean, God will listen to that. I mean, God, God, God will hear your cries. But... Nothing's going to change until you start praying the promises. Are you hearing me? Pastor, do you have scripture for that? I'm so glad you asked. Go to 1 Kings chapter 8, new scripture. 1 Kings chapter 8. Are you still with me, GP? All right, now here's what I want you to see. So um, here we are. The temple has been built. Solomon has done what his father David could not do. David was not a builder. David was more a man of war. But Solomon was a builder. And he has built the temple, just like he said that he would. And so they're dedicating the temple now. It's a momentous time in church history. It's really for all of church. So we go down to verse uh, 54, and Solomon has made this big proclamation. He's dedicated the temple. We're going to pick it up verse 54. And it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer, everyone say praying. 
So he was not only, when he dedicated that temple, he prayed over that temple and over the people. And supplication of the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. So he was in a kneeling position praying. And he stood and he blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, that's why you need leaders that talk to God. Amen. You need to make sure that whoever you follow is someone who, first of all, they need to be following God. And they need to be talking to God and God needs to be talking to them. And then they need to talk to you about God. Not about themselves all the time. But look at verse 56. So he blessed the congregation, and here's what he said. Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people, Israel, according to all that he promised. Listen to this part. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Can you shout amen? amen. So Solomon is telling the people, that God has fulfilled everything that he said he would do. Moses has been gone a long time. But the promises were still valid even in Solomon's day. Are you hearing me? I want you to see how these promises work, but how did Solomon get these things to work? Well, he prayed. And we know part of the thing he prayed, he was praying and reminding God of what? Everything God said he would do, you have done it. Everything you said you would do unto our people, you have done it for our people. Oh, God in heaven, you're a God that's good for your word. Can you shout amen? amen. We have got to pray the promises. Every day you ought to find a promise in the word of God. I listed some in my little thing today. I don't know if you saw it. I found it online. There were 31 days that had promises. And if you saw my little caption, some of you got a text or you might have seen it on Facebook or you might have seen it on Instagram. There are 31 days I couldn't, I noticed when I put them on there, I couldn't get the whole caption on there. I think we got to maybe day 24. If you'll hit me up, I'll send you the other seven days. I got them. And uh, they're, they're just promises for 31 days. And, and they're just, and they are just a sample. Some scholars believe if you took every single word God said when he said he would do something, they're, they're in the thousands. That's how many are in the Bible. Amen? Now go to Galatians 3. We're going to start fixing, get ready to think about starting to close. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. All right, Galatians 3. Here's something that we have to get settled just so we don't get confused because a lot of people will still say, but remember, Pastor, these promises were to the children of Israel. They were to the Jewish people. So how does that apply to me? Well, let's look in Galatians 3, verse 14. Go to verse 13, actually. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. In other words, we do not have, first of all, we don't have to hang on the tree, and the law has been fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Why did he do it? Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's you. 
that's me, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive even, in this case, the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I could read these next few verses. Let's just read them fast. Brethren, I speak after the, after the manner of men, though it be uh, but a man's covenant, yet, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulled or adds thereunto. And to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And notice this. He saith, and to seeds, oh, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is Christ. So in other words, this promise initially was to Abraham. But when Christ came along, there were others added to the promise. Those others are you and me. If God promised it to Abraham, I have a right to claim that promise. If he promised it to Isaac or Jacob or the children of Israel, I have a right because I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a right to that promise. It is, I can embrace that. Here's what, you need to, here's what you need to hear. Let me just say it in a different way. You have inherited the promises. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. So of course, he was saying that, that the law did not do away with the promises. And even when the law was fulfilled, it didn't stop the promises. The promises have kept right on going. Even into our day, can you shout amen? amen. Now look down at verse, uh, uh, let's look at verse 26, the same chapter. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither is male nor female. We could put in there black, white, brown, yellow, green, purple, orange. You know, uh, there, let me say it this way. If you are born again, you are not a half-breed. And you're no longer just a person of the color of your descent. You're actually something on a much higher level. The Bible says you put on Christ. And in him, there's neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, you know, bond or free, none of that even. That, that completely becomes nil and void. Amen. But then look at verse 29. And if you be Christ, how many of you are Christ? How many of you are online? I can't see your hands. Wave them at me if you're online. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are an heir to really all the promises of God. Can you shout amen? amen? What a big deal that really is. Go to Isaiah 43 real quickly, going back to the Old Testament for a minute. Now, there's a lot of people that say we shouldn't read the Old Testament. We're a New Testament church. Well, we are, of course, that in the sense that we appeared in the New Testament in the sense that Christ appeared and gave us access through the blood and we identify with him and, and we're not Jew. Maybe one or two of you are that I don't know about, but hardly any of us are Jewish by birth, although honestly we are all, I mean, we all go back to Adam and Eve. That's why when we make a big issue out of race, we really miss what the Bible's talked about all along because we all descended from Adam and Eve. For me to treat anybody differently because of the color of their skin is ludicrous. 
And if I'm a Christian, I ought to know better than that. I should never treat anybody differently because their skin color is not my skin color. The odds are none of us have the same skin color that Adam and Eve had. We, we've, we all got some of it. We probably, none of us have all of it. You know, then Moses messed everybody up because he went and married a black lady. He went out there on the backside of the desert and married Zipporah. You know, come on, man. Let's, let, let's, 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 you know, the thing about the Bible that I, do you know one reason I love being a Christian? The Bible forces you to think big. Forces you to think beyond yourself, beyond your limitations, beyond your intellect, beyond your ability, beyond your family tree. If you'll let it, the Bible will make you think bigger than that. Otherwise, now, boy, how did I get myself into this? Uh, your goal should not, to be, should not be to be the richest white guy that ever lived or the richest black woman that ever lived. I just want to be the richest believer. Doesn't matter about my skin. My skin color, my skin color is not going to stop me from where, what God wants me to do, but it's also I'm not going to depend on it to promote me there. I'm going to depend on the word. Can you shout amen? Well, we say stuff in here, don't we? Praise the Lord. Here in Isaiah 43, verse 25, here's what, uh, uh, let's see, what am I looking for here? Oh, I see, yeah. Verse 25, God said, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions. Aren't you glad? Doesn't matter whether your mama, your daddy, or, or your friend forgives you. God said, I blot them out for mine own sake. And I will not remember your sins. But look at verse 26. He said, but put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare that you may be justified. In other words, God said, but it is important that you say and you speak and you plead and you put me in remembrance. Lord, I'm yours. You've forgiven me. I, I, I'm your son. I'm your daughter, Lord. I, I'm one of yours. I belong to you. You've forgiven me. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm of the seed of Abraham, of the faith of Abraham. Thank you, Father God, that all the promises come on me. It's really important that you say those things. Can you shout amen? amen. Psalms 138, verse 2. And we are, as I said, on the home stretch. New Living Translation. He said, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. For your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Wow. Now, the New Living Translation, he said, the promises of God are backed by his name. God says, I back this up. I take this so seriously, I put my name on this. You know, if somebody puts their name on something, if they've got any honor at all, then you should be able to count on it. Now, some people don't have honor. They can put their name on something all day. It doesn't mean anything, but that's not God. And it shouldn't be us. If we put our name on something, then we ought to back that up. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says, be careful that you, vow your, that you pay your vows. Now, I'm going to hit it for a minute because I can hit it here. I've had people come through these doors over the years, make vows. We'd have building campaigns. They'd put in a vow. I've got, I still had them in the back there. Not long ago, I was like, I'm bound to pay this out of there. Then they get mad and leave and think, well, I don't have to pay my vow. Oh, really? 
because I got your name on a piece of paper. I got what you wrote in your own handwriting. You were going to do this. You didn't say, unless I get mad and get my feelings hurt. Here's how I would do things, and I have done it. I have, I have promised before something, and then somebody didn't do something right, and then I said, you know what? Um, that doesn't affect my honor. I'm going to do what I said. That's just how, I mean, I put my name. I got to do what I said. Now, we as believers got to get better at this because how can we expect God to honor everything that he said he'd do for us if we don't have honor in our own lives? If I tell my wife I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Now, it's not, it's, now, I'm not talking about if you forget to do something, you know, you get busy. So, not, you know what I'm saying. There are people that, you know, now listen, I don't, I'm not going to ask you to call anybody's name out, but if I said, you know sometimes when people say, I promise you, you already think in your mind, it'll never happen. <laughs> you know, you know you, we all have people like that in our lives, don't we? That comes out of their mouth. They're like, why are you even saying that? The only reason you ever get surprised is if they do it. Because it is a rare occasion. But that should not be us. If I'm asking God to honor his word, and he will, he will back it up. The Bible says right here, I'm going to read it to you again. Uh, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed up by all the honor of your name. Then if I'm going to expect God, if, if, I, if I expect to be able to hold God, Father, you said in your word, and God wants you to do this. It's okay to say to God, Father, you said in your word. God wants you to do that. That's not dangerous at all. God wants you to hold him to his word, but we ought to be doing that here on the earth too. And we should be good for our word. If, somebody, if we tell somebody something, man, they ought to be able to go, well, let me tell you one thing. If he says that, you just go ahead and figure that's going to happen. And then in the rare occasion, because we're in a human body and we're in the flesh, and we're, sometimes there are things beyond our control, if something can't happen, you know what you do? You pick up the phone. You say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to be there. Or I'm going to be late. I didn't know I'm running a little late. You don't just hold up the party. Now, I'm teaching better than you're guessing about whether you're going to grunt or amen me. These are things that need to be said in church. Things that need to be said. My boss... I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to go ahead and close. Uh, oh, let, let, let me give you one more verse. This will help you. This will really help you. Because uh, I'll come back to these others next. I'm going to skip down to Proverbs 25, 14 out of the New Living Translation because it confirms what I just said. Proverbs 25, 14, New Living Translation says, A person who promises a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. A lot of noise, a lot of fluff, a lot of sound. A lot of posturing, a lot of grandeur, and nothing at all. That does not need to be us. But I was going to say to you, uh, please keep my former employer, uh, Pat, the one that I worked for painting, he had to have a heart, uh, serious heart procedure a few months ago. I stayed in contact with his family, you know, want to do all I can to help them and all because I love them. I love the whole family. And we, we've stayed close all these years. You know, if you leave your employer and you don't leave right, you can get in a lot of trouble with God. Even if they didn't treat, if you didn't think they treated you right, you know, you still got it. You're in to hold up. You should not go out somewhere slamming your employer. 
You just shouldn't. I've never done it. I, I'll admit, I've only had four jobs in my life. But, but anyway, Pat had a procedure. Well, he had to go back in the hospital last night. I got a text from his wife. And uh, the good news is they, things got better today. He, I think he was go, I was going to see him this afternoon, and I got a text from her, and she said, William, you don't have to come. He's gonna, they're going to release him this afternoon. They've adjusted some medication. And, uh, but I said all that to say that, you know, I've talked to you more than once about him because he had a lot of honor. And I just, I, I just you know, when, when, when you work, when you treat people the right way and, and, and when you have honor when if no one else in the room has honor but you then let that be you don't decide because no one else had honor you don't have to have it just because no one else in your family has it that's almost the way it was with me I was raised around a bunch of scoundrels I mean just being honest with you I mean I, I, I love my mom with all my heart but my mom was you know, she did a lot of stuff. We moved a lot because we had to move a lot, you know. I mean, when you don't pay your rent, you got to move. And uh, she didn't have any money and all that, but I mean, even having said that, and yet I did see her have honor when she could have it. And I'm just saying to you tonight, the Word of God is strong and powerful. It'll work for you in your life. These promises are real. You can hang your hand, hat on them. You can stake your life on them. You need to start praying the promises of God. You need to start saying them every day. You need to denounce some of that other field you planted and get that junk out of your life. You need to change those words, get rid of those words and move them on out. And then you need to decide every day, Lord, I want to be a man of my word too. And Lord, today, I, if nothing else, be a lot slower to give your word until you're able to, you know you're going to do it. Quit saying yes to everybody. Because you might have the superpower words, but you still have a human body and you can't be, you're not omnipresent. You can't be in three places at once. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again. Thank <laughs> you.